listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Welcome back to the pod. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. The other voice you're about to hear is that of the play-by-play guy, Craig Boschman. That's me. I'm I'm just a guy. You're the (laughs) play-by-play guy, traveling with the team and everything. And, yeah, traveling back to Swift Current after, you know, we... Uh, a hopeful weekend that ended up being a disappointment. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, you know, heading into that weekend, I think both teams kind of had the same mindset of, you know, these are very important games. And uh, I think Calgary just showed a little more desperation and, and certainly credit to their goaltender who made huge stops both on Friday and Sunday. Uh, very timely saves. I can remember one on the Sunday game right at the start of the second period. Matthew Ward getting robbed about 45 seconds in. That would have tied the game at two. So, um, you know, those big timely saves were, were a huge factor in those two games. And Calgary's playing desperate hockey. You know, they they had a little four-game stretch here of uh, Medicine Hat, two against Swift Current, and then their next game is against Lethbridge this coming Saturday. And really, they kind of had to win all four if they wanted to keep their playoff hopes alive. And now they're three for three in that stretch. So credit to them. They played pretty good hockey over the past weekend here. And uh, unfortunately for the Broncos, it makes things a little tougher heading into the final two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, a little bit more score wo- scoreboard watching than one would be uh, comfortable with. And yeah, you, you nailed it there. I thought Braden Peters, fr- from a Bronco fan perspective, sure didn't pick a good time to... <laughs> Be start be playing at an all star level because he was great both games Friday and uh, and Sunday. But yeah, Sunday's game, you know, you talked about it. The the team just a slow start and really spinning their wheels after that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, when you the coaches on every team at every level always talk about you know having a good road mentality and trying to take the energy out of the building early, and uh, just was kind of the opposite of that. Unfortunately, on Sunday, I think shots at one point in the, the first couple minutes were eight nothing Calgary, and then they were up one nothing, and then two nothing. So uh, you know, when you're down early on the road in a, in a big building like that with a pretty solid crowd it's it's not easy to come back so uh, I mean credit to the guys for for making it 2-1 and then 4-2 there in the third period but unfortunately just a really slow start seemed to cost the team and, and put them a little too far behind the eight ball to kick things off. Nobody's making excuses but when you're missing key personnel that certainly affects the outcome and uh, the injury bug hasn't hammered the team knock on wood but some key pieces still missing. Yeah Caleb Y. Rostock's obviously been out since I think late February that uh, family day game in Regina um, is uh, hopefully getting back in the game action shortly and then not having Owen Pickering the last uh, three games I mean the Broncos won uh, in Lethbridge on the Wednesday without him but the last two games uh, you certainly notice when a guy like that's not uh, in the lineup I mean he plays upwards of 30 minutes a game uh, in all situations and quarterbacking power play and uh, shutting down teams on the penalty kill so um, it's certainly a calming presence back there and not having a guy like that makes a huge huge difference so hopefully uh, he'll be able to get back into game action uh, this coming weekend. You know a, a bright spot for the Broncos goes now and into the future the fact that uh, you have players who are stepping up with some absences in the lineup last week our feature guest was Carson King one of those players who continues to be on a on a point streak he's up to what nine games now nine game point scoring streak and another guy who's been putting up points in recent history as our feature guest this week Carter Stebbings yeah five goals in his last nine games I think after the Sunday game in Calgary and um, you know it's great to get that kind of depth scoring you need that on every team to to win games for you and uh, you know Carter's been one of those guys who's been stepping up here lately so it's it's great to see for him uh he's a guy who's used a lot in sort of defensive situations on the penalty kill and uh, late in games when the team has a lead and the other team's got the the goalie pulled for the extra attacker he's usually one of the guys out there trying to hold that lead so for him to get rewarded offensively
defensively is great. Uh, you know, like I said, five goals in his last nine games is uh, is outstanding for him. And with only two games left, you hope he can kind of continue that trend here in the final two. Carter Stebbings is our feature guest. Of course, Devin Pratt will stop by and uh, have the coaches show. That's coming up in just a moment here. Friday is the next game for the Swift Current Broncos. The Regina Pats are in town. And the team handing out some awards before that one. Yeah, so the way they're going to do it this year, uh, they're going to announce four awards live before the game. It's sort of the four major awards, if you want to look at it that way, with the leading scorer, rookie of the year, uh, team MVP, and top defenseman. So those are going to be announced live before the game uh, on the ice. So if you're coming to the rink, make sure you're in uh, in your seats for that so you can uh, celebrate these guys for their awards. And the rest of the awards are going to be shown on the Jumbotron sort of throughout the game in media timeouts, kind of announced one by one. And again, a nice moment for these guys to kind of get the recognition they deserve for uh, for all the effort they put in this year. And you know what? As a, as a gift for staying with the Broncos This Week podcast all year. We're, we're going to drop a spoiler on one of the awards in the next little bit here. We won't get too deep into it right now, but uh, the the player's choice most popular player, without spoiling it right now, does have a cool story attached to it. Yeah, it is, and it's an award that uh, the guys vote on. I mean, every every player in the room gets one vote, and they all put them in a box and count them up. So, um, and, and to see it end the way it did in a bit of a landslide for, for the winner is awesome. Uh, you know, it's great to see a guy to kind of get that recognition who uh, maybe doesn't get the, the kind of recognition that people see every day with, with the work that's being put in uh, every day in practice and, and on the road and packing up the bus and that sort of stuff. So uh, it is a great story, and that's kind of why I wanted to, to bring it up and talk to Devin about it because I think it is such a great story, and he kind of extrapolated on uh, why this, uh, this player won the award. Exactly, and that chat with Devin Pratt is coming up right away here on the Broncos This Week podcast. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Coach show segment on Broncos This Week podcast, and uh, once again joining us, head coach Devin Pratt. Uh, Devin, going into the weekend, we were hoping for uh, what would be a, a happy and sunshiny, cheery chat, but fate had other plans. Uh, what can you say about the, this past weekend's festivities and that home-and-home home with Calgary? Yeah, it was tough. You know, I think... Um we were really looking forward to the opportunity that we had in front of us. Um, so it feels like a little bit of a letdown, no question. Um, I think there's lots of ups and downs throughout the journey of uh, a full season here. And this is important that this doesn't re- derail us uh, heading into our last two where we got to take care of business. So I thought, uh, you know, in both games, um, we were desperate late. And when we started playing desperate, we started playing with pace. And before that, we were just a little bit passive and allowing things to come to us a little bit too too often so um, we deviated from our identity and it's important that we get it back here and you talked about um, you know picking up the play a little later on the game when maybe a little uh, the too too little too late uh, thought process comes into it and you always want to have that strong start especially on the road but I think uh, the Sunday game was especially more of a an outlier of that as I think the shots were right nothing Calgary at one point in that first period and just uh, needing to get a stronger start from you guys in the next game on Friday yeah, there's no question. I mean, we got to come out um, and just ready to go right from puck drop. Um, so, you know, we always talk of a mindset of a zero-zero mentality, but if it takes us being down a couple to for us to start competing, then let's go into it thinking we're down a couple. Like, whatever it takes at this point of the year. Um, you know, when I reflected back on Friday's game, watched it back, we actually had, I thought, you know, more quality scoring chances. We just didn't end up scoring on those. So um, that came back to cost us, and then Sunday was just uh you know one of those efforts that we'll move on from we learn from it we move on 
from it. We won't put much time into it, and uh, we know that we can get back on page and uh, have a more complete 60 minutes here. Yeah, and for for the last two games, uh, last three games actually, you were missing a big presence, both literally and figuratively, in Owen Pickering. I know you're not going to make excuses about not having him in the lineup, but you know, talk about what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think it's. Um you know, it's nice to have him back here uh, heading down the stretch. Anytime you take someone out of our lineup um, that plays a lot of minutes and in all different scenarios, like has a strong influence on the game, it uh, it's never easy. But uh, to date, you know, a lot of times we had guys step up and do the job. It just seemed that, uh, you know, Calgary was prepared. They were ready. Hats off to them. They're, they're uh, you know, they reached kind of a, a do or die desperation before we did. Um, and that's what the scenario probably was for them here Friday and Sunday. So, um, they played like it, and unfortunately, we just weren't able to match. And now your team is going to be looking to have that sort of desperation here with only two games left in the schedule. Obviously, two big ones, teams that are behind you in the standings looking to work their way up as well. So you're hoping to see that sort of desperation play from your team here, especially this coming Friday against Regina. Yeah, it's that's going to be huge. I mean, that's that's where we're at. That's where the the journey of the season has led us to. And uh, we talked last week on here about a must perform. So it's uh, these are must perform times. And uh, hopefully we can learn from this past weekend because we tried to prime it. We tried to prepare it as if it was to get our mindset there. And we've been kind of playing playoff hockey here for the last number of weeks. So um, there's there's no denying or any other way to say it than it's it's disappointing and uh you know however disappointed i am or fans may be the players in the room are just as or, or more um they 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 wear this uh they want it they're the ones that are putting in the investment and uh the work every day and the blood sweat and tears and um you know i think it uh we still have an opportunity to take care of business on our end and then uh you know you do a little bit of box score watching and you need some favors around the league but uh it's important that our guys are ready to go right from puck drop here with a with the desperation that we're playing like a game seven style do or die you know uh one player who has stepped up and you alluded to it earlier about guys stepping up when when players go down carson king you know he had another goal uh this past sunday his point streak is still going talk about uh, what he's been bringing to the lineup lately. yeah carson's been getting rewarded for just smart play getting to the right areas he's got a great skill set uh especially hash marks in and his puck touches are are excellent so um you know his line mates have done a good job creating opportunities for him too and and, uh, you know, hats off to Carson. He's done uh, a magnificent job here down the stretch, just giving us depth scoring and providing a, another punch to us on the offensive side of things. So very excited about where he's taken his game to here in the, the late stages. And um, one of those guys that you really, uh, you know, we, we want to see out this year, but you kind of look forward to what could be with him um, with, with another year next year and uh, another year of growth and a big off season for him. So I think it's going to be important. He puts in the work and hits the ground running the team is going to be announcing and handing out their team awards on friday during that game against regina and i kind of wanted to spoil one of them because i think it's a great story with the fan or the team most popular award which is voted on by the players every player gets one vote votes for their teammates for who they think is the most popular guy and this year's winner alexi shenarin and it sounds like it wasn't particularly close uh, in the vote either yeah it was pretty uh pretty one-sided there um i think one other player got two votes and then there was just a handful that got one vote so um he was up to 16 17 and just uh, 
uh, uh, it just speaks to the quality of person that he is, um, you know, battling through the language barrier. And um, I've even just noticed on the road um, of recent times, just, you know, he's always kind of got a little bit of a crowd around him or he's getting brought back to the back of the bus to hang out with the boys or whatever it may be. So um, just a great person, uh, shows up to the rink every day ready to work. And, um, you know, I think he'd want to be doing more for the team to help us win at this point. But, uh, you know, just circumstances haven't led to that. And um, But it doesn't uh, take away from the quality person that he is and uh, very well respected by his teammates. Well, and how challenging is it for someone like him? Because in a normal year coming over here, learning a new language, all the travel and everything. But this year, given COVID restrictions, he joined the league, you know, a couple weeks into it. And conditioning in this league is so important, staying in your best shape. And you know, w- was it tough for him to make that adjustment, you know, being a few weeks behind his teammates? Yeah, I even think it's almost it's close to a couple months. Yeah. Um, I think he joined us in late November area. And it's just, uh, you know, this is a league where you got to hit the ground running. There's so much work that needs to be done in the summer months. And then uh, through your training camp, uh, really setting the foundation for your team. So, uh, you know, you throw in uh, a new style of play. You throw in uh, team structure and tech packs. Um, and then you throw in language with that. There's a lot on his plate to deal with. And uh, I think the, the award for him is just a true reflection of the influence he was able to have in the dressing room by the attitude that he brought every day. He didn't get frustrated. Uh, you know, he didn't act out on anything. He just showed up every day, like I say, with a smile, ready to work and ready to do what he's told. So I'm very proud of him. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday. You're fresh off the first practice after a day off on Monday. Uh, what's the what's the attitude like? How are the guys feeling after a tough weekend? Yeah, I think they're owning it. I mean, this, this is what we need um, this time of year. We just kind of got to unpack things and, and own our performances and then move forward and um, you know for us today was a big work day we had to get back to that pace and uh, we felt that as a staff we established it and that um, you know what was lacking for us on on Sunday especially um, you know was apparent in our practice today where guys were pushing the pace we were playing aggressive uh, we were on each other um, playing and thinking fast so um, that's what we're going to need to continue to establish throughout the week here and be ready to hit the ground running uh, Friday night yeah Friday night and then a week off and then another Friday night game to wind down the season. Uh, I don't think you've had a stretch this year, save maybe for the Christmas break, where you've had so little game action over a two-week period. Is that a bit of an adjustment for you and the coaches to have all this, this surplus of practice time and prep time? Yeah, you know what? When things get rolling pretty good, um, you know, when you go down a stretch of, you know, three or four games a week or whatever it may be, um, practices become a lot more about just kind of tempo and touches and um, getting the guys comfortable on the ice and you have the opportunity to maybe do uh, an adjustment here and an adjustment there. Um, but what this really allows us to do is just, you know, to really identify where it is in our game that we got to get better, uh, what parts of our game that we got to own and, and we get, we get uh, qual- uh, quantity time to put in to, to put the work in to, to get the quality of the result after so you know it's a, a lot of correcting and coaching happens through video and um, on a whiteboard or whatever it may be when you're you know looking at load management getting into game 50 to 60 and practicing a couple times a week and playing uh, three or four as I said um, you know you can't have one of those intense practices that uh, or a drill that runs too long or whatever it may be so 
it's just a great opportunity for us to uh, to be fully prepared. To be honest, um, just we have no excuses. Uh, we got to be ready to go. I think the crowd at the last home game on the Friday against Calgary was the biggest it's been this year. 1905, I think, is what was announced. And obviously, we're hoping for another larger crowd this coming Friday. And what can you say about the way it affects the guys on the bench when the crowd is uh, getting up to that size? Yeah, I mean, there's energy in the building. There's no question. Uh, we felt energy all year long. The people who have been here have been very supportive um, of our group, and um, they acknowledge when our guys are putting the work in and sometimes even when they're not getting rewarded for it um, just some quality shifts or whatever it may be but yeah it's always fun I mean guys uh, I have pride and we have pride in the the Swift Current uh, community we have pride in the organization here and um, you know you want to you want to go on the ice and know that you're supported as well and that um you know, people are coming into the rink and enjoying themselves. So we, we feel the guys are playing a good brand of hockey. It's exciting. Uh, they compete every night. They play with high energy. And, um, yeah, for our guys just to feed off that a little bit down the stretch here would be nice. Right on. Hey, thanks a bunch for this, Devin, and uh, best of luck this Friday, man. Thank you very much. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Feature guest on the Broncos This Week podcast, the pride of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Carter Stebbings joining us. What what part of Saskatoon did you grow up in? Uh, the east side, the Silver Spring area. So, oh, so, so what's cool about that area of town? I, I kind of get downtown a lot whenever I go visit there, but... Uh What's East Side Saskatoon like? There's not a lot, not a whole lot going on over there. Uh, we got the zoo. That's about it. Hey, forestry farm. Yeah. Dynamite tourist attraction. Well, that's not too bad. And growing up in Saskatoon, I'm gonna guess you were going to Blaze games growing up. But was the WHL kind of a big thing for you in your household when you were younger? Yeah, when I was younger, I used to go quite a bit when they had that Memorial Cup host team. Uh, I was there a lot, but. Kind of as I got older, grew out of it a bit, stopped going. How was uh, minor hockey for you? Like, at what age did you get into it, and when did you kind of decide for yourself, like, hey, I really like this game? I think ever since I was little, you know, I started skating at two or three, and just from there I always loved playing. I always loved going to the rinks, so... Uh, kind of my whole life as far back as I can remember. And I got to say, a little surprising you weren't drafted in the WHL because you had more than two points a game in your draft year in that 16-17 year with 60 points in 29 games. Were you surprised you didn't get drafted that year? Um, I was kind of on the borderline. I didn't know if I'd go or not. I was undersized. Uh, I talked to a few teams, you know, about half of them, but never, you know, had a ton of interest. So, uh I was kind of prepared for either way. Always been kind of curious when, you know, you say you talked about half the teams. When they're talking to you, like, what are some of the things they're asking you about? Just kind of like how you see the game, what you want to do. Like, what kind of questions are they asking you? Uh, They're always asking, you know, strengths, weaknesses, uh, what type of player you are, um, uh, who you kind of model your game after. Midget AAA, uh, or U18, I should say, U18 AAA here in Saskatchewan. It's a tough league, and uh, your, your, your claim to fame, one of them anyway, all-time leading scorer for the Saskatoon Blazers. You know, what what was it that kind of allowed you to put up points at that level? Um, you know, good coaching staff. Uh, my teammates helped me out a lot, line mates. Um, you know, another big thing for me is I got to play all three years there. So Kevin Kaminsky... Uh, was right right around me but he only had one season so the games played <laughs> helped me out a bit on that one but uh yeah i know i think it's just uh my smarts and you know the players i was with helped a lot 
And you were teammates with Cole Nagy for the first of those two years before he jumped to the Western Hockey League as a year older than you. So I understand that you guys have been friends for a long time. I mean, since you were like even little, little kids. Yeah, I've known him my whole life. Our sisters grew up figure skating together, so that's how I met him. Uh, I think we've played six years together now, so we've we've got a lot of chemistry. He's a great guy. He uh, When I got here, he helped me out, you know, showed me the ropes, and he's a great locker room presence, so it's good to have him here. You know, as Bosch said, you were a guy that uh, – that got passed over in the uh, in the Bantam draft. What was what was the process of becoming a Swift Current Bronco? How did how did that all start? Uh, it was my first year after midget. Once Dean uh, Brockman got the job here, he uh, called me up, listed me with the team. Uh, from there is uh, I think another another year and a bit, a couple camps, and stayed on that list. And then halfway through my third year midget, uh, I got the offer to sign, and I. Jumped at the chance and took it. And you mentioned the fact that uh, Dean had called you and listed you. And I think I remember talking to you, I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before that, but you had said that you were actually getting ready to go to another camp before Dean gave you a call and said you were listed. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to the Regina Pats camp. Uh, Scott Sissons was my head coach for Midget, and he's a scout there. So I, I was fully prepared to head out there in about a week, and I was pretty surprised when I got the call from Dean. What was your first taste of WHL hockey? Was it the hub? No, I had one game, one game my third year midget I played uh, in Saskatoon. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a cool experience playing in my hometown. Uh, the result of the game didn't go our way. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it was an 8-1 yeah, it was an 8-1 loss, so the result wasn't there, but it was cool to play in front of all of my friends and family for the first one. Well, that's just it. I remember standing there as you were walking in, and you had a, you had a big smile on your face. Obviously, you were ready to go, so stepping out there for that solo lap uh, in the building, you'd watched a lot of games, and I mean, just how cool of a moment was that for you? Yeah, it's pretty special, you know, growing up, watching, you know, the Blades playing there, thinking, you know, they're... The, the best in the world when you're little so it was kind of cool to step into that spot and uh, play in front of everyone I know yeah and then you did end up you know on the roster as part of the the hub team what was that like yeah it was a that was a cool experience you know it's once in a lifetime hopefully a thing that you know we don't have to go through again but it was it was cool it was good to it's kind of a good thing being my first year. You get to know everyone really well because we're living together for two months. So that part of it was good. You know, it was kind of different than a normal season. So this is my kind of first taste at it. But all around, it was a cool experience to have. With that hub season being so weird is one way to put it. Just what sort of expectations were they heading in? I mean, was there any sort of like, I want to score five goals. I want to do this. I want to win some games. Like, was there anything like that heading into it? Yeah, I was, you know, I wanted to win games. I wanted the team to be successful uh, for myself. I just wanted to go in there and prove that I could play in the league and work my way up in the lineup. What was it like playing in a completely empty building? Like no fan support, no noise at all? Yeah, it was different. Uh, you know, we had to create our own energy because there's no fans to do it for you. So it was, you kind of got used to it as the, as the hub went on. But off the start, it was, you know, you had to find a way to get the energy into the team, into the game. And there was some energy. I mean, after after wins, you guys were getting pretty righty down there. It was always, uh, I'd walk around the corner from the little section I was broadcasting from, and the music was blasting, and the guys were jumping. So there was, there was even with the games, I mean, technically meaning nothing at the end of the day, there was still some excitement within the group, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there was lots of excitement, you know. It's always fun winning. It'd been, uh, they'd been in a long dry spell. We started off slow, so... Once we got those first wins, it was uh, very exciting, a lot of fun. Yeah, we were uh, looking at your elite prospects prior to this interview, and we saw that you had four games in Nippawin. What can you tell us about the Nippawin experience? Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, you know, my first taste at junior hockey and kind of how 
how junior hockey works, you know, getting up in the morning, no school, so you got to go work out and all that stuff. Uh, I had really good billets there, which was nice to have. But overall, it was just kind of a good experience to get that junior taste, kind of understand how, how junior hockey works and, you know, the preparation, all the stuff that goes into the game. Yeah, and with that, that would have been at the start of the 2021 season. So I think that was even before the hub was kind of a thing. So you didn't know if the WHL was going to play that year. So with that in mind, knowing that you were hoping to make the WHL that season, what was kind of your mindset saying, okay, I'm just going to go to Nippon and sort of be here as long as I need to be or what? Yeah, I was, you know, get in there, get some games in because I hadn't played in a while. Uh, I to Dean before and he told me it'd be a good idea just go get uh, get some games in uh, get the cardio going again all that stuff yeah so you're over 60 games played first time you've done that in your career I would think uh, how's that adjustment been yeah it's been different you have to take a lot of care of your body make sure that you're ready to go every game so it's a pretty packed schedule but uh, we do we do a good job with Andrew getting make sure we're all ready to go. And you've been playing outstanding lately. Five goals your last nine games after the Sunday game in Calgary. So what's been working well for you lately here? Kind of seems like you're in the right place at the right time uh, recently here. Yeah, I think you know puck luck I didn't have at the start of the year. So you know getting the bounces my way now. Um, uh, my line mates also you know they've been huge help and everything that I score they're doing something on it. So. You're, uh, you mentioned in Nippa when you had a good billet family experience. Got to, got to do this on the on the feature guest portion of the podcast here. Who's your billet family here? Let's shout them out here. And uh, what's it like staying there? Chris and Brandy, Zacharias, and the kids are uh, Reeve and Amarin. They're they're great. You know, they're the kids are kind of in that ten to thirteen age group, so they're old enough that you know we go out, play Xbox, we'll go hang out and go to the outdoor rink in the winter stuff like that and brandy and Corey are great they always have good meals they're talkative they're great people talking about xbox i guess with that what's kind of your extracurricular activity of choice are you a video game guy netflix guy what's uh, what's the, the thing for carter stebbings uh at the start of the year it was netflix and then uh the team got back into our Fortnite playing so <laughs> we've we've been on there a decent amount throughout the middle of the year and then also uh going out to the golf simulator every once in a while like Fortnite, how long is that going to be a thing for? It's still going. Still going. <laughs> Who's, Might be around forever. Who knows? We can give you an opportunity here to shout out one of your teammates for being good or bad at Fortnite if you'd like. Oh, I'm going to have to say uh, Cole Nagy, Eric Van Amper, you know, they, they need some work. They need some practice. <laughs> Other end of the spectrum, though, who's the Fortnite MVP? Oh, uh, Connor Vidston, I know, is a pretty good player. And uh, Philman are, the, I think, the two top guys that I know. Just two games left on the schedule here, uh, Carter, and obviously two big ones coming up here. you got the Regina Pats on Friday. Um, it's almost a little strange only having two games in the span of two weeks, but uh, I know you guys are laser-focused and getting ready for this Friday game. I would imagine the mindset is, you know, this is uh, sort of a Game 7 mentality coming in here. Yeah, it is. We need both these. They're the biggest games of the year so far, so I think we got to have, you know, good preparation coming into it. Everyone's got to be ready to go because we need these two points in both those games. You know, for, for preparation, different players have different routines, super Superstitions. You, you do anything like that? Like something you have to do at the same time, the same way every game day? Basically, my whole game day is the same routine at home. Uh, waking up at the same time, I eat the same meals, come to the rink and, you know, sewer ball, getting the stretch and Everything's basically a routine that I have set for the whole year now. Does that start at the U18 level, U15 level? Like where does that begin in your life? Uh, it kind of, I had a bit in midget, but since coming here, you know, it's changed a lot. You know, you have to have to prepare more. 
Carter Stebbings on the Broncos This Week podcast. Uh, thanks a bunch for making your way to this end of the rink and doing this, man. Greatly thanks, appreciate it. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. All right, getting set to put the locks on the doors on another edition of the Broncos This Week podcast. A big thanks to our feature guest, Carter Stebbings, for joining us, as well as Devin Pratt for popping by and doing the post-mortem on a tough weekend. But uh, onward and upward as the team is back in action this Friday. Yeah, it's not over yet. Uh, obviously, there's still uh, certainly a path to make the playoffs here, so it, it all starts on Friday. i uh, got to take it the old one-game-at-a-time mentality that the team has had over the last, I mean, basically two months here. So that continues Friday. It's a big game with uh, with Regina in town, and I think when Regina was here on the Tuesday, it was a pretty pretty great crowd for a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday game. So hopefully it's even better for this Friday with the magnitude of the game. And at the same time, you get to watch a pretty special player and Connor Bedard on the other side who uh, certainly put on a show when he was here two weeks ago so hoping for a big crowd on Friday and obviously hoping for uh, a big Broncos win yeah and hoping for lots of noise in that big crowd on Friday as well all right that'll do it for another edition of the Broncos this week podcast a reminder that the team will be handing out some awards prior to the game on Friday and announcing more throughout the game as well so a little added entertainment component to that but that'll do it for another Broncos this week we'll see you next week you've been listening to Broncos this week Presented by Original 16.